So yesterday in the story of Paul and his adventures, um, we had the retelling of his day off. You know, nice relaxing time by the the, the shoreline of the river uh, where he's called to go to work. And then today we have him and Silas being beaten with rods and thrown in jail. And it's only a few verses later, like the story of him relaxing and then beaten and thrown in jail. There's a short period that we miss in between. And I'm so sad that we don't actually read it because it's such a wonderful story. It's the story of him casting out the evil spirit or the demon, whatever, you, whatever translation you use, of the girl who is using her witchcraft for money. Um, so in between the day off and being beaten and thrown in jail, Paul and Silas are walking around and they are harassed by this girl who is, um, right, she has, she has witchcraft evil powers to tell the future and she's a slave girl and so this is how her master makes money, off of her um, dabbling with the diabolical. So Paul gets annoyed with her constantly harassing him and following him around the city. So finally he exercises her and this angers the slave master so much that he incites the people to beat Paul and his companion and throw them in jail. And that's where we get to the reading today where it says, the crowd in Philippi joined in the attack on Paul and Silas. So, he angered the wrong donors, apparently. Maybe they were donors to something else, but he angered the wrong rich people, and that got him in trouble for preaching the gospel. That would never happen in today's society, I promise. Anyway, um... <laughs> My own little two cents. Paul and Silas are in prison today, and uh, they're given the opportunity to escape, but they choose not to. So Paul and Silas see this imprisonment as the Lord's will, that they should be in prison. Now, the jailer would have been killed if they had escaped. Um, I don't know why the rules were different for the jewel, uh, jeweler, for the jailer when Peter was led out of the jail by the angel. Maybe he did die. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But this guy definitely knows that he would be put to death if Paul and all of the other prisoners just walked right out of jail. Not a good policy for jail. So the jailer is obviously upset and he's going to, you know, kill himself. And Paul's like, slow down there, buddy. Why don't we, why don't we get the whole picture? We're all still here. No reason to freak out. But then I don't get this because he immediately breaks them out of jail. He's like, well, you didn't escape. Good job. Come on, everybody. Let's go. So they go have a, a party at the jailer's house. Party's a strong word. But they go and they preach the gospel to him at the jailer's house. Now, here's the interesting part of it because it makes very special mention that the jailer, it says, bathed their wounds. And then it says they preached the gospel to him. And then Paul bathes the jailer's family in the waters of baptism. They don't offer water that helps the body, like the jailer does, but rather water that heals the soul, and in the span of a few hours. Because of Paul and Silas, the jailer goes from thinking that he is going to die to inheriting eternal life along with his old family. Now the story is a great exemplification of how the Lord can use all things for good even those things that greatly disturb us at first. And so we're reminded today of the words of St. Teresa of Avila, who says, let nothing disturb you. Now, she doesn't mean that we should just be stoic and so lacking of all sense and emotion that we are unfazed because we're emotionally unattached to everything, but rather be so immersed in love and trust of God that like Paul and Silas, 
we see everything as working for the Lord's plan, even if we don't understand it. So, small example, I have a friend who is going through the application process to become a seminarian now. Not Charlie, he's already in seminary. He finished his first year of seminary. Good job, Charlie. Keep going. Um, but another friend who is applying for a different diocese, should have been our own, whatever, he's on the opposite side of the country. Anyway, he's in the application process. And the only reason that he was brought to this application process is because of the pandemic, all of his work got canceled for the foreseeable future in the line of work that he does. And on top of that, he broke his foot while he was in quarantine. So he told me yesterday on the phone, he said, the only reason that I finally listened to the Lord is because he slowed me down so much that even when I was on quarantine, I was still doing so much of my own things. And then I broke my foot and I finally had time to just sit and think, what is my life doing? What is it all for? Where has it all been going? So much like St. Ignatius, this gentleman who's applying to seminary, while he was convalescing, had a deeper conversion, had a conversion to the Lord, and saw, okay, this is what the Lord wants me to do. So he is truly thankful for not only his work being taken away, and he lost a considerable amount of money that he would have made, but also because his foot was broken, because it revealed to him the true desires that had been on his heart for a long time that otherwise he would not have slowed down enough to listen to. This is what it means to let nothing disturb you. Now, just as a side note, that's the homily, homily done. But as a side note, today is the anniversary, the second anniversary of my ordination to the diaconate. So on this day, two years ago, I was ordained by Bishop Nestout in the Cathedral of uh, the Sacred Heart in Richmond. Uh, and so this is just a joyful day for me. Uh, and I can tell you that it has been the best two years of my life. 